Attention, everyone. Don't turn that dial. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. After the congressional redistricting in Illinois, I was moved into the 10th district. Congressman Brad Schneider is now my congressman, but I don't want you to think that he's here just because he likes me and he knows I'm going to vote for him next time around. He's actually here to talk about some of the important work he's been doing in Washington. Brad, thanks for being here. Joan, thank you, and thanks for the support. (laughs) You're very welcome. I'm on your email list, and I know that you travel all around the district doing these coffees and town halls, and I'm waiting for one that isn't too early (laughs) in the morning and is relatively close to my house, and I promise you, you will see me sooner rather than later. I I look forward to it. Yeah, well, that I wouldn't look forward to it if I were you. I mean, it's just something that might happen. (laughs) So I want to talk to you. Uh, You guys... Uh, along with the Senate and along with President Biden, have been doing some really amazing work. And we try to remind people all the time that Democrats make your life better. Democrats deliver. They're not just the party that sits back and throws stones and causes chaos and divisiveness. You know, you're the, you're actually doing things to get the economy going and get people working and make our lives better. And one of the big things is the Inflation Reduction Act. Talk about that. Uh, Thank you. And I I agree with you. It's the Democrats who who believe in in responsible government, in taking actions to improve people's lives, to strengthen our economy and ensure our security. Um, One of the big things we did this summer, among among several uh, big actions, um, was the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation is affecting every family uh, in our community, in our district, across the country. Uh, and we know we have to do something to try to bring it under control. The Inflation Reduction Act focuses on two areas. It's on energy and on health care, uh, two major expenses uh, for all families. Uh, but beyond that, it's also the largest ever investment in our country's history in addressing climate change, something I'm very proud of. And uh, it's not just, it, not just paid for, it reduces our deficit by $300 billion dollars. Uh, specifically, uh, with respect to energy, it, it will bring more energy sources to, to bear in the short term, but also look to the long term on reducing greenhouse gas emissions while moving us to a cleaner energy economy. The goal reducing uh, greenhouse gases by 40 percent uh, by year 2030. That means investing in uh, clean offshore uh, uh, energy manufacturing. Uh, but it also, and this is something I'm very proud of, included my bill, the Sustainable Skies Act, which will support uh, clean fuels for aviation, sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, aviation's 2% of uh, global greenhouse gases. If we can cut that by half percent or more. Uh, what does that mean, fine. though, Brad? And what all. is clean fuel? So uh, uh, sustainable aviation fuel is uh, not made from fossil fuels, but from uh, trash, from uh, used uh, um, vegetable oils, uh, a combination of things. It's blended together and uh, processed in a way that uh, allows it to power jet aircraft engines. Uh, in fact, United had a demonstration flight from Chicago uh, to Washington earlier this year. I was proud to be a part of uh, this fuel um, reduces greenhouse gas emissions within the aviation industry uh, by 50 or in some cases 80 percent and more. So it's a, a huge impact, and, and we're working to help the industry make that transition. 
Uh, this was a bill that was supported not just by the airlines, by the fuel manufacturers and blenders, but also by uh, environmental groups as well. So we worked with bringing uh, uh, all the stakeholders together. And I think someday this, the, the Sustainable Skies Act will be a case study for uh, government classes uh, for years to come. So uh, the planes, engines, and fuel lines have to be adapted to use this new fuel? Not at all. It's, no, it's the same, it's the same engines. Uh, it's gone through FAA uh, testing, and so it's, it's used today. It's, it's oftentimes blended in with uh, 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 what I would call traditional uh, jet fuel. Uh, but uh, as I said, United demonstrated that a plane can fly uh, with exclusively uh, sustainable aviation fuel. And again, it's a critical thing, the administration supportive of it, uh, and very important if we're going to hit our goals for 2030. You know, a lot of times uh, people see these big acts, the Inflation Reduction Act, getting getting passed. And, you know, sometimes it's, as they say, all politics is local. It boils down to, okay, Brett, how is this going to affect my life? My little tiny life here uh, in the northern suburbs, will it have any effect on it? So the, the short answer is absolutely, because one of the companies that uh, blends this fuel is based uh, in the northern suburbs of Lake County, in Lake County. So uh, Lanzajet is one of those examples. United Airlines employs people across Illinois. So it has direct impact, but more broadly, it affects all of us. Uh, we have seen the impact of climate change, whether it is uh, more powerful storms, uh, you know, my heart goes out to the people of Puerto Rico who, oh, I know. To the day, uh, you know, five years ago was Maria, uh, had the hurricane hit, uh, this week. The, the, the images, uh, from Fiona are, are just heartbreaking. Uh, but it's, it's fires, it's droughts. Uh, we need to act on climate change. That's why the Inflation Reduction Act is such a, a strong statement that the United States is prepared to leave. $360 billion invested uh, in climate, working to reduce our uh, emissions by 40% uh, before the end of the deca- decade. Uh, these are all critical things. And um, there are also drug provisions, lowering prescription drug costs for Medicare beneficiaries, at least low-income ones, is also part of the Inflation Reduction Act. That could affect a lot there's, of people in Illinois. Be- yeah, it's not just low income. So for the first time, Medicare will be able to negotiate drug prices as well in, in uh, the years ahead. Uh, out of pocket for Medicare beneficiaries will be capped at $2,000. You know, I've talked to people who are spending that much every month and the annual out of pocket will be capped at $2,000. And, and for Medicare, uh, people who rely on insulin, uh, the cost of insulin is capped at $35. Uh, per month. I wish, and unfortunately, Republicans in the Senate blocked the effort to cap it at $35 for all people dealing with diabetes. Uh, it costs uh, a, a handful of dollars to manufacture insulin, uh, but there are people in the United States who are paying hundreds of dollars every month for that. Uh, we need to work to make sure that all medicines, and by the way, all new advances in medicine are available to everybody. I'm proud of the fact that the United States and Quite honestly, the um, 10th District leads in innovation, leads the world in, in, in innovation on, on treatments and, and hopefully cures. And we need to make sure that uh, we continue to lead on that innovation, but that those innovations are available and affordable uh, to all Americans. We um, need to take a real quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the work that you have been doing following the Dobbs decision. And I know, obviously, 
um, out of the mass shooting in Highland Park. We got the March 4th group, which is going to be descending on Washington this coming Thursday. I want to talk to you about gun violence prevention as well. I'm speaking with Congressman Brad Schneider. We're going to be back right after this. There's no excuse to miss Joan Esposito. It's number one on my stereo. Live, local, and progressive. You can listen to her daily at WCPT820.com on your computer or phone. You're listening to WCPT820 because facts matter. This is Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive on WCPT820. And I am joined by Congressman Brad Schneider, who represents Illinois' 10th district. Uh, he's been doing a lot of work since the infamous Dobb decision. Brad, tell us, you know, at this point in time, it sort of seems like uh, the horses are out of the barn. No point in closing the doors. What can be done? Well, yeah, the, the horses out of the barn. You know, I think everyone felt the gut punch in, in June when the Supreme Court announced the Dobbs decision. Uh, even though it was no surprise, we saw the leak, Alito uh, opinion uh, in May. But it, it, it was devastating. We're now seeing in real time the effects it's having on, on uh, people, on, on women, on their families. Um, but thank God here in Illinois, uh, we have a, a, a democratically controlled legislature that says we are not going to, to go back and take away women's rights. And we become this uh, island of reason, island of blue and a sea of red, if, if you will. Uh, I know in the House, um, Democrats acted immediately on the, the um, leak of the Alito opinion, and, and we, we passed uh, legislation that would codify um, Roe as the law of the land. Uh, then in, in June, we again passed, or July, rather, we passed the Right to Contraception Acts um, that, w- that was introduced to make it a statutory right for a person to access contraceptives. Um, You're not getting a lot of help in the Senate on some of these things, though. No, and, you know, we could talk all day about the problems in the Senate and, and the need for 60. But I, I'll tell you, I, I think the, the courts, the, the uh, right wing on the court, the, the Republicans in the Senate, uh, I think they're, they're reading the country wrong. I know that uh, uh, the right of every woman to make the, her own choice with the private, within the privacy of her discussions with her family, uh, with her, her doctors, um, that's something that's supported by the majority of the country. And these... Um, uh, extreme positions coming from some of the Supreme Court justices, uh, the hyper-extreme positions coming from what we've seen in states like uh, like Indiana, West Virginia, that uh, ban abortion basically uh, outright and, and in all cases ex- in, with no exclusions for rape and abortion, show where the far right wing are. And then you see Senator Graham's nationwide abortion ban. You know, they promised that they all preached that they wanted to uh, have the court overturn Roe so it could be up to the states. And when the states make the decision, we saw what happens in Kansas. So then you have uh, Senator Graham uh, basically showing the Republicans' hand and saying, okay, no, we didn't mean it for the states. We want to have a national uh, abortion ban. And Lindsey Graham has said quite blatantly, if we take back the House and the Senate, this will be a, bu- a bill we take up. This will be something we pass. That is just terrifying to me. It is chilling, but he also said it the other way, which is what every listener uh, right now and every one of the people we can talk to needs to hear. If the Democrats hold the House, hold the Senate, 
they won't be able to pass Lindsey Graham's national abortion ban because we're going to fight and work to make sure that women's rights are protected, that reproductive rights are protected. The idea that everyone in this country is created equal with certain inalienable rights. And I think it is an inalienable right for a woman to make her health care decisions within her own conscience. Amen to that. Um, I've always been of the belief that these are not normal times. And even though historical precedent says that a president who has both houses will lose at least one house in the midterm elections, I think with all of the really far, far right radical positions being taken by the Republican Party, particularly on abortion, but there are other issues as well, I think history is going to be proven wrong this time. And most of the people, I like to, you know... Several months ago, everybody was like, no, no, we're going to lose both houses. And then it was like, well, looks like, you know, Democrats might hang on to the Senate, but the uh, House of Representatives is still up in the air. What's your take on that? Yeah, we've been working hard. I've been focused on one thing the last two years, which is 218. Uh, That's the number of seats we have to win in the House to hold the majority. And as I was saying before about uh, reproductive rights, it's not just choice that's on the ballot. It's... uh, gun safety and gun violence prevention. It is tackling the climate uh, crisis we're facing in in the country and around the globe. Um, So many things matter, and that's why it's important that we we do hold the House and the Senate. Six months ago, it was a um, really steep hill to climb. Uh, Over the last uh, six months, we've been working very hard to to join together as Democrats in the House, in the Senate, and across the country uh, to make sure people understand our, our, our message, that we're putting people before politics, that we're working to lower costs, create better uh, paying jobs, and uh, making sure we're uh, providing for safer communities. These are the things that Democrats are focused on, and it's really resonating. So it's still... A lot of time between now and the election, we're sitting today, seven weeks out. Uh, we have to make sure more people hear our message, understand our, our vision, and those who share it and believe that we can move this country forward, or as President Biden said and always has said, that we believe, he believes, I believe, that our nation's best days are before us. Uh, we can deliver that if we get out and, and we vote and, and elect uh, uh, people up and down the ballot from a federal office to local office and, and even uh, justices on our, our courts to make sure that uh, we have people who understand that the ideal of lifting everyone up, that everyone's equal before the law and that we are a country of opportunity uh, is preserved and carried forward. You know, um, before I let you go, I do want to talk about gun violence prevention. Of course, uh, I know the March 4th people are planning to descend on Washington, D.C. this coming Thursday. You know, they're really hoping that the legislation that got passed by you guys in the House can get a fair hearing in the Senate. Tell me what are the things that you're working on in this area? Well, first, let me say I was thrilled to see the uh, House and Senate come together uh, in June and pass the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. It was tragic that what was needed to get that uh, um, even small step, uh, although it was the first step we've taken in 28 years, uh, was a response to the horrific shooting we saw in Uvalde, where 19 kids and two teachers were gruesomely murdered. Um, it's just as tragic we, we saw with Highland Park, um, uh, our community uh, in Illinois, when one deranged individual could climb a ladder, go to the rooftop, and, 
during one of the more joyous celebrations of our nation's birthday. Thousands of people gathered for a parade. He murdered seven people and, and uh, injured dozens of others, traumatized the entire community. But sharing those stories, when I came back to Congress and shared those stories with the, uh, my caucus, um, uh, the, the tone of the caucus changed. And uh, a bill that had been introduced back in March of 21, the assault weapons ban, actually uh, came to the fore and, and we passed it in the House because people understood what's at stake and the fact that, you know, now you just mentioned the towns, Highland Park, Uvalde, Buffalo, people know what we're talking about. But so often it is these military weapons, weapons of war that are sought out by too often uh, young males um, wanting to right or wrong or perceived wrong or address their uh, personal grievances. Um, I'm hopeful that the uh, members of the Senate can understand uh, what's at stake, uh, appreciate the trauma that's been uh, caused in in communities across our country. And um, it's not something that you... Uh, have happened and then forget about it. It's a trauma that will be there and seared into our our psyche forever. Um, you just again mentioned El Paso, Las Vegas, uh, the the Pulse nightclub. You can just list these names and people know exactly what you're talking about. I think that uh, in their hearts, senators know what we have to do. We just have to make sure they can have the political will uh, to do it. And that's why March 4th coming to the Senate and uh, coming up to the Hill, I think, is a a wonderful thing. And and I'm supporting them 100 percent. Yeah, I'm supporting them 100 percent, too. And it's political will and political courage, because I don't believe that every Republican in the Congress and every Republican in the Senate is a diehard QAnon alt-right nut job. I think that the the ones who disappoint me the most are the ones who just don't simply have the courage. But maybe it maybe Brad it's too much to ask because we've certainly seen what happened to Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney when they took a stand for what was right. Uh the kind of stand that in times past I think more Republicans would have taken without fear of being kicked out of their party and kicked out of their jobs. It's it's a no ugh. question about that. And, and Chris Jacobs, the uh, Republican congressman from Buffalo, after uh, a, a terrorist drove 300 miles to specifically target an African-American community, walk into a grocery store and shoot 10 people. Chris Jacobs, who called that out, who said we need to ban these weapons of war, uh, he made that announcement on a Friday, and by the following Friday, he announced that he wasn't running for re-election. That said, uh, we passed the um, Respect for Marriage Act in July as well, again, after uh, the Dobbs decision and uh, Justice Thomas's concurring opinion and the threat to all these issues that we thought was settled law. Um, 47 Republicans voted for the, the Respect for Marriage Act. Again, I'm not saying it's because they were brave. I'm saying it's because they are going to follow where their voters are. And the voters got out and told them that we believe people should have the right to love whomever they choose. And if the public gets out, if the voters get out and say, enough already, uh, 93% believe in universal background checks. The vast majority believe that we shouldn't have these assault weapons on our streets. We need to empower those voters those advocates to go and and tell their representatives and their senators that they need to support their communities and protect the safety of their communities, or they're going to find other um, representatives and senators who will do so. Yeah. Brad, thank you so much for spending time with us and bringing us up to speed on everything you're doing. 
Uh, it's really important to our listeners to hear from you, and I really thank you for being here. Joan, thank you for having me. I love chatting with you. I uh, look forward to seeing you at one of our town halls. <laughs> you will. And, uh, yeah, we'll always be happy to, to get together and talk on, on your show. Is, is there show. free coffee? I'm just curious. Is there free coffee at these events? There's uh, sometimes water. So, oh. uh, it's, it's, it's BYOC, bring your own coffee. Oh, okay, I, that's good news. That's good to know. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. uh, Take care. Congress, yeah, Congressman Brad Schneider represents Illinois' 10th District. Facebook. Message us. Instagram. Follow us. Twitter. Tweet us. They keep me connected. Let's get social on the socials. WCPT 820.